Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called Reflect. And all throughout the series, we're reminding you that as a follower of Jesus, you are called to reflect the light of Jesus in our world through your life. So throughout the series, we're talking about what we can do to be a better reflection of Jesus. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about what you can do to do a better job of reflecting Jesus in your words. Because everything that you say, whether you realize it or not, is a reflection of who you believe Jesus is. And in this episode, we're going to learn that we are going to be held responsible for how we reflect Jesus. So let's make sure we're reflecting the Jesus we really believe in. With that, let's get right into this episode sermon. During the NCAA men's basketball tournament way back in 2015, there was a player for the University of Wisconsin named Nigel Hayes who experienced a rather embarrassing moment. Now, Nigel Hayes' embarrassing moment didn't involve a wardrobe malfunction, and he didn't commit some kind of blooper that caused his team to be eliminated from the tournament. Nigel Hayes' embarrassing moment didn't happen on a basketball court at all. It actually happened when Hayes was surrounded by a handful of reporters in a small room taking part in a press conference. Now, all throughout the 2015 men's basketball tournament, Nigel Hayes had been enamored with the stenographers who were present at all of Wisconsin's press conferences, writing down every word that the player said. Well, before one of these press conferences got started, the host had become aware of this unusual fixation that Hayes had on the stenographers. So he asked if Hayes wanted to say anything before the press conference officially got started. Well, he started out by speaking some nonsensical word, and then he put, had a big old smile on his face because he knew the stenographer was responsible for writing down everything that he said, and he just made her job a whole lot harder. Well, the reporters in the room all joined in Hayes' little joke, and they laughed about what he had said. But it wasn't until their laughter died down that Hayes experienced one of the most embarrassing moments of his life. Because after the reporters stopped laughing, the real reason why Hayes had been so enamored with the stenographer and all of Wisconsin's press conferences was finally revealed. And that's because after the reporters all stopped laughing, Hayes turned to one of his teammates and he whispered, Gosh, she's beautiful. All the reporters started cracking up laughing as soon as the words had left Hayes' mouth. And he sheepishly turned back to the microphone and said, Did y'all hear that? Yes, Nigel, they had all heard exactly what you had just said because there was a microphone that was right in front of your face. And that microphone amplified every word that you said, so everybody in that room, including the stenographer, heard exactly what you said. Now, the next thing that Hayes did is he lifted his hands up and he tried to hide his face in embarrassment, but there was no hiding from his moment. As a matter of fact, things only got worse for this college basketball player because a clip of that exchange ended up going viral, and millions upon millions of people saw and heard Nigel Hayes' most embarrassing moment. Now, as somebody who wears a microphone every single week, I can tell you just how dangerous these microphones can be. And even though I've never had a moment like Nigel Hayes's, I am well aware of how easy it is for a hot mic to land somebody in hot water. 
That's because microphones amplify everything that you say, including the things that you wish they wouldn't. And you know what? That's a lesson that can be really easy to forget. And that's not just true for somebody who pastors a small church, and it's not just true for a college athlete participating in a press conference. Some of the most important and powerful people in the world have forgotten about how dangerous microphones can be. It actually happened to George W. Bush when he was first running for president back during the 2000 election cycle. During that election cycle at a campaign event, president, future President Bush forgot that microphones amplify everything that you say. So when he was having what he thought was a private chat with his vice presidential nominee, Dick Cheney, the future President Bush called a certain reporter that was traveling the campaign trail with them a certain seven-letter word that I'm not allowed to say in church. And, but President Bush isn't the only person who's ever had one of these moments. He's not even the only president to experience one of these hot bike moments. It happened when Barack Obama was president, too. There's a time when he was waiting for a camera crew to finish setting up for an interview where he was chatting with one of his staff members about something that had happened just a day or two before. They were chatting about when Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift's acceptance speech at the 2009 MTV Video Music Awards. And President Obama kind of, sort of, referred to Kanye West as another name for Donald. And as soon as he said it, every all of the, the camera crew started cracking up laughing, and Obama realized how embarrassing this moment could be. So he quickly looked to the camera crew and said, can you guys cut the president a little slack? But you may be wondering what all of this has to do with us. I mean, what do these hot mic moments, what do these presidential slip-ups have to do with you and me? Well, even though most of us are never going to spend very much time in front of a microphone, every single one of us knows what it's like to say something that we wish we could take back. We, do. we all know what it's like to say something that we wish we could take back. Now, it may have happened for you at one point when you were out having lunch with a friend. And as you two were sitting down sharing a meal and chatting, you started ranting a little bit about a co-worker that you have that just drives you up the walls. But as soon as you finished your rant, you looked over at the table right beside you and realized that one of your co-worker's best friends was sitting right there. And you started wondering about how much of your conversation they just overheard. Or maybe it's happened to you when you were texting with one of your best friends, and during that text conversation you were having, you started venting a little bit about your frustrations, that your husband never changes the toilet paper roll, or that your wife never puts the lid back on a tube of toothpaste. But as soon as you send, send in that message, you started freaking out because you realized that instead of sending that message to your friend, you accidentally sent it to your spouse. Or maybe it's happened to you after a worship service finished up on Sunday morning and you were chatting with a few of your fellow congregants after the service came to an end and you started complaining about something that you didn't like during that morning's sermon, only to realize that the preacher was standing a couple of feet behind you. So you had to start replaying everything that you said in your everything that you had just said in your mind, hoping that you didn't say anything that was too insulting. But we've all been. We've all said things that we wish we could take back. And unlike the embarrassment that a college athlete experienced when his whisper was overheard by reporters, or unlike the momentary slip-ups that presidents had that might have caused them a little embarrassment and made them do a little bit of backpedaling, when you and I, when we aren't careful with the words that we speak, 
they can do real damage. When we're not careful with the words that we speak, we can do real harm. And that's not, and that is especially true for us as followers of Jesus. It's especially true for us that if we're not careful with the words that we speak, that they can do a lot of harm. Because when we as followers of Jesus aren't careful with our words, we're not just running the risk of messing up our relationships or possibly our career. But we also run the risk of ruining other people's relationships with God. Remember what we've been talking about at Melbourne Heights throughout this sermon series. We've been talking about the fact that the only way that others will find Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. The only way that others will find Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. So this means that we need to reflect Jesus in every area and in every aspect of our lives, and that includes our words. Because whether you have ever thought about this or not, whether you've ever realized this or not, if you are a follower of Jesus, the words that you speak are a reflection of Jesus. And even if your words are not being amplified through a microphone, everything that you say amplifies who Jesus is to you. So to make sure that we're doing the best job that we can to reflect Jesus in and through our lives, right now we are taking a deeper look in the book of James, and we're going to continue to do that this morning. So if you've got a Bible close by, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to James chapter 3. And as you're finding James chapter 3, let me just remind you a little bit about this particular book in the Bible. Now, the book of James, unsurprisingly, is written by a guy named James. But this James isn't just any old James. Church tradition tells us that this James is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is also a prominent leader in the early church. And James writes this letter as his life is drawing near an end because he wants to share words of wisdom with followers of Jesus all over the world. James writes this book because he wants to help everyone who follows Jesus to be a better reflection of Jesus. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at what James writes in James chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. So here's what he says. He writes, My brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers, because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. Let's pause right here for just a minute. In this verse that we just read, James tells us that the, my brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that teachers will be judged more strictly. Now, if you spend much time around the church, there's a good chance that you have heard this verse of Scripture before. But you may have never really stopped to think about why it is that James says this. So let's think about that for just a minute. Because in this situation that James is writing in, he's not just talking about any teacher. In the situation that James is writing in, he is talking about people who are specifically teaching others about our faith. He's writing and he's talking to people who are specifically teaching others about Jesus. So James wants us to know that anyone who teaches other people about Jesus is going to be held to a higher standard. And he wants us to know that because when you are teaching someone else about Jesus, you're not just speaking on your own behalf. You're not just speaking from your own area of expertise. No, when you're teaching other people about Jesus, you are speaking on behalf of Jesus. So, he 
even though when we hear the word teacher, many of us may think about somebody who just stands up in front of a classroom or somebody who passes out grades, that's not what James means when he's talking about teachers. For James, he's talking about anyone who teaches other people about Jesus. And for James, that's everybody that he is writing this letter to. That's everybody that is going to read this letter. That is everyone who is a follower of Jesus. So whether you thought about it or not, whether you realize it or not, as someone who follows Jesus, you are teaching other people about Jesus. As somebody who follows Jesus, you are teaching other people about Jesus. So James wants to make sure that we are doing the best we possibly can with this. You're teaching other people about Jesus because you are a reflection of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you have taken the name of Jesus. You've picked up the name of Jesus for yourself, and that means that you're going to be held responsible for how you carry the name of Jesus in your life. So James wants to make sure that we do the best job we possibly can reflecting the name of Jesus because all of us who say we follow him be held responsible for how we reflect Jesus in our lives. So with all that in mind, let's turn back to James chapter 3 once again, and we'll pick up reading in verse 1. Here's again what James writes. He says, My brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers, because we know that teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and we put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. Small flame can set a whole forest on fire. Well, the tongue is a small flame of fire. The world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of wild animal, a bird, a reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessings and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water, they don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a big tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water doesn't flow from a salt River Spring, right? So when you stop and think about what James is trying to tell us in James chapter 3, it's pretty clear that James wants all of us to understand that our words are powerful. Your words are powerful. And there's a poet by the name of Sadaber Khan who does a really good job of describing how powerful our words can be in one of her poems when she writes, words are powerful forces of nature. They are destruction. They are flesh and they are water. They are flowers and bone. They burn. They cleanse. They erase. They itch. They can either leave you feeling homeless 
are brimming with hope. This is why the book of Proverbs, which is essentially just a book of wise sayings, tells us the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Our words are powerful. This is something that Larry David, who is the co-creator of the iconic sitcom Seinfeld, as well as the creator and star of a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm, experienced firsthand at one point when he was attending a baseball game in Yankee Stadium. Now, when the folks at Yankee Stadium realized that there was a celebrity in their midst, they put Larry David's picture up on the Jumbotron for everyone to see. Well, when the 50,000 people that were in the crowd that day saw a local Brooklyn hero on that big Jumbotron, they all stood up and gave Larry David a standing ovation. And in that moment, Larry David experienced how the cheers of a crowd, how other people's words can lift you up, have the power to lift you up. Just stop and think about it for a minute. Can you imagine what it would be like to have 50,000 people cheering for you? It's going to be a pretty cool experience. But a little bit later on in that night, Larry David would experience just how destructive words could be. And that's because as he was leaving that baseball game with a few of his friends, somebody driving down the street yelled through the window of their car something along the lines of, Larry David, you stink. Only they said something that I probably shouldn't say during the sermon. Well, Larry David's friend said that after that encounter with that one person driving down the stage, driving down the street, the applause of 50,000 people can pale in comparison to the nasty remarks of just one person. For the rest of the night, all that Larry David could think about was the nasty, negative rude comment that one person made. That's how powerful our words can be. They can override 50,000 people cheering you on with just one negative comment. Now I know what you may be thinking after hearing that story. What's the big deal? A celebrity probably shouldn't have their feelings hurt when just one person says something negative about them. But put yourself in the shoes. How would you feel if somebody said something negative about you? It's probably not a hard question to answer because every single one of us has been in that place. We have all had people say negative things about us, and we know exactly what it feels like, and none of us enjoy it. Now, there are some people that are worshiping with us right now that in spite of whatever it is that you have gone on to accomplish in your life, you can't do anything without hearing that one negative comment that your mother or father made to you when you were growing up. For other people that are worshiping with us right now, there's that one thing that somebody that you once called a friend said about you that continues to resonate in your life and continues to affect your relationships with people today, even though it was said so long ago. For some people, no matter how many times someone tells you that you're talented or that you're gifted, all you hear is that one boss or that one teacher told you that you weren't good enough. And no matter how long it's been since we've heard these negative comments, they continue to replay and they continue to echo in our ears. And these words are amplified through our lives and through our hearts, even without the help of a microphone. Our words, our words are powerful. 
say negative things, we can completely destroy other people. And for us, as followers of Jesus, when we say negative things, it's not just our words that are being amplified. And that's because we are a reflection of Jesus. So when we say negative things, it's like Jesus says them too. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you say something that is hurtful, the world around you, the people around you, are going to hear a hurtful Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, when you say something that is hateful, the people around you, the world around you, is going to hear a hateful Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, when you say something that tears another person down, the world around you, the people around you, are going to hear about a Jesus that wants to tear them down. When your words are loving, when your words lift other people up, then the world around you, the people around you, hear about a Jesus who wants to help them, about a Jesus who loves them, about a Jesus who wants to lift them up. So if we are going to reflect Jesus through our lives, we have to pay attention to what we say. If we are going to reflect Jesus through our lives, we have to pay attention to what we say. Because our words are powerful. Whether you realize it or not, your words are powerful. Your words have the power to build somebody up, but they also have the power to completely destroy them. Your words have the power to give someone hope, but they also have the power to drag somebody down. Your words have the power to share with someone how much God loves them they also have the power to belittle and demean another person. So, if we're going to reflect Jesus with our words, we really need to think before we speak. We really need to take the time to ask if our words are reflecting the Jesus that we actually believe in. Because remember, remember what we just talked about, what we just read inside of the book of James. As someone who as someone who is a follower of Jesus, you are teaching other people about Jesus through everything that you do. And that means that you are going to be held accountable for the way that you carry Jesus, for the reflection of Jesus that you shine into this world. And if you're going to be held responsible, if you're going to be held accountable for your reflection of Jesus in this world, don't you want to make sure you're reflecting the real Jesus? Don't you want to make sure that you're reflecting the Jesus that wants to help us and not hurt us? Don't you want to make sure that you're reflecting a Jesus who loves us, not a Jesus who hates us? Don't you want to make sure that you're reflecting a Jesus who lifts us up instead of tears us down? That's the Jesus we're supposed to reflect in every area and every aspect of our lives. That's the Jesus we're supposed to reflect thoughts, through our deeds, and through our words. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that there are, that we all say things that we later regret. We all say things that we wish we could take back. And that's because we forget how powerful our words can be. We forget how negative comments that we heard years or decades ago continue to resonate in our lives, God, when we say negative things to other people today. We forget that our words have the power to lift people up, but they also have the power to tear them down. 
God, our prayer is that you help us to do a better job of reflecting Jesus through our words. We want to reflect who Jesus really is, not just through our words, but through all of our lives and our life. So help us to think before we speak. Help us to make sure that the words that we speak help other people, that they share your love with other people, that they lift other people up instead of tearing them down and hurting them. Help us use our words to glorify you, to shine your light into the darkness of this world, to reflect Jesus so everyone can see him through us. Help us be your people and point the way for you. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has shown you that as a follower of Jesus, you're going to be held accountable for the way that you reflect Jesus in and through your life. And that's true in every area and aspect of your life, including your words. And I hope that you've also been reminded that your words are powerful. Your words can build someone up and they can tear them down. Your words can give someone hope or you can drag them down. Your words can share with someone that God loves and cares for them or you can make them feel like they're less of a person. So make sure that you're speaking the words that reflect the Jesus that you believe in. A Jesus that loves us. A Jesus that cares about us. A Jesus that wants to lift us up. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue on in the sermon series, and we're going to be thinking about how we can do a better job of reflecting Jesus in our lives instead of showing our selfishness. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to this podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, and you don't have to wait for next Tuesday to roll around for another episode to drop. We would love to have you come and worship with us online every Sunday morning. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Eastern Time at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.